Would you turn again to the Old Testament reading that we had in the book of Job? Chapter 14. And we may use as our text this evening, verse 14. Job 14, verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Many ways this book of Job is a, a book that brings out some difficult things for us, some situations that we find hard to understand, but at least, of course, the way that Job uh, uh, had to go through so much under the hand of God, as we read in the first couple of chapters particularly. And this uh, chapter itself brings out much, if we can say, of the mental agony and struggle that Job was enduring at this time. The idea of the brevity of life is ever with him. At the very beginning of the chapter, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And so that the number of his days are uh, determined, verse 5, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, there was appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. So the reality of an end is uh, before him at all times here. Now his faith was tested, as we well know, and he is wrestling with the providential dealings of God with him. Now, it's often the case for most of us from time to time that we struggle to understand providence. And that is as true of a Christian as it is of a non-Christian. Non-Christian may think, why is this happening to me? What is the purpose for these things? But even the Christian can have situations where also that is questioning providence. But friends, we must never forget that providence, whether it's hard, whether it's easy to understand, it is still God's providence. The providence of God in all things. And God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Scripture makes that clear to us. And certainly, he has ordained the moment we enter this world and just as sure the moment we leave the sin of time. And the great question tonight, friends, for you and I, as it ever is, are we ready, are we prepared for that that is inevitable to come, the day of our death? Well, how we live will tell us much about how prepared we are for death. 
for you and I, surely. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change cometh. So let us then consider tonight the life, first of all, that you now live. The life that you now live. Now, every day of our lives should be lived with death in mind. I'm not talking at all, I don't mean a morbid introspection at all times, but living every day, remembering that this is going to come to an end. Remembering that we are accountable to God. Remembering that we are one day to give an account to him and that we must all appear before his judgment seat one day. As I said, I'm not talking about that morbid idea that everybody and nobody lifts their head and gets on with anything, sits and waits for death. But friends, surely, if we know and we do know and we are assured and we cannot deny it that the day of our death is coming, surely this should ever be before us, the most important thing to prepare for that day. You know, it's amazing, is it not? How many of us, you and I, that we make preparation, all sorts of preparation for things in this life. And yet, how little sometimes so many make preparation for the life that is still to come. And that again, friends, surely says much about ourselves. And so that the life we now live should be seen as one that is preparing to meet with our God. All these plans that we make, all these preparation for this life. Like with our children, we plan for them. We plan their schooling, their education. We teach them to prepare for the big wide world that one day they will leave us and go into. We guide them in these matters as much as we can regarding future employment. We even make provision if we can at times for where they're going to live and their future homes if we can. We do that for our children. Make that preparation. Seek to guide them in these matters. Have them think about these things. And what about ourselves, those of us who are adults? For ourselves, aren't we something the same? In this life, we are preparing as best we can for our future. But the sad thing is, so often it's just for the future as far as this world is concerned and not beyond these things. And so for ourselves, we look for improved job prospects. We look for better housing. We upgrade our cars and try to plan for a decent lifestyle. And then when we think about things, and how much of that now is before us to think about pension age and how we're going to live after we retire from work. No, friends, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. Absolutely not. And we should be living our lives with these things before us. But are these things the priority in your life and mine? Is that what you see above everything else? This world and all that will give me and all that I have, is that it? Is that what is the, the, the preeminent thought in your own life? Is that how you live from day to day? Well, my friend, if we are taken up with that and nothing else, 
we will not be ready for this great day that is inevitably coming. Some of us who are past that age of retirement into retirement now, and many here who are likewise or maybe approaching it. You know, when you reach that age that you are nearer, humanly speaking, we don't know when any of us will die, but humanly speaking, we know that the day of our death is not far away. And yet, what is the focus in our life tonight? Is this what is before us as we live in this world, preparing for the inevitable world that is to come? Maybe tonight you're here at the point of life, fast approaching the age I was speaking, maybe past, as I said. And I ask you, have you prepared? Are you ready for that day? Have you looked at these things with all the other plans lawful in themselves? But is this the priority? To meet with my God, to stand before him one day. Our thoughts then should be surely, friends, on the world to come. Now, I have no doubt, sadly, that there are some here, and you think, well, it'll all work out in the end. Things will be fine, ultimately, for me. And no doubt as well that heaven is where you hope to be, indeed maybe expect to be. Why shouldn't I be? I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm not the next thing. But friend, usually we should be asking, am I this, am I that, am I the next thing, according to the word of God? You've got a hope for heaven tonight who hasn't. I dare say there's not a person in here tonight who doesn't have some hope of heaven. But I ask you, friend, what is that hope based on? What is that hope based on? What are you looking at in these matters? How you live? Do others see that you walk with Jesus? Do others see that your mind is set beyond the things of this world? Are you giving an example to that, to your family, to your friends, and to your neighbors and your work colleagues? Are you living a life that is focused on heaven and not just totally focused on this world? Oh, friend, that we all would see it's the height of folly, knowing we're all going to die and not giving the preparation to it that we should. What foolishness then! Not using our time in this life because that's the only time we have. Not using this time to prepare for the great eternity. And one thing is sure, friends, the more we prepare in this life for the inevitable day of our death and heaven or eternity that is to come, the more we will be not afraid of it and able by God's grace to look forward to it. And what is that great preparation? Faith in Christ. Living our lives trusting in the Lord Jesus. Living our lives being guided by the word of God. Having that as our priority. Not what any man says, not what any government says. And especially when these things are contradicting the word of God. Oh, that we would have more living, thus saith the Lord. How little we see and hear of these things. 
even in those who rule over us, indeed none of it in those who rule over us. What a transformation of our country, our nation, our world, ourselves, if we lived more by, thus saith the Lord. Living your life in that way with faith in Christ, can I ask you then, is that how you live? Is that the priority in your life tonight? The life you now live. You ask yourself about that. But then secondly, the death you must die. The death you must die. Or you may not like the thought of it. But you cannot, not with your greatest effort, at keeping healthy or denying the truth of it, determined maybe to deny it, and not think that it'll come near to you, it is foolishness. For it is appointed unto man once to die. And I'm going to die, and you're going to die. You think, friend, of the empty places in this church tonight. Some of you can think of empty places in your homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods. Inevitable. It's a death that is coming to all of us. And it is coming nearer and nearer with every breath. And make no mistake, it's coming to you. It's coming to you. And that point has already been determined by God. You know, my friend, if you and I tonight could, as it were, as it were, look into the book of life and we see our name and we see the date tonight, tomorrow, a year, 20 years, whatever, it is appointed. Oh, surely, my dear friends, that we would haste to make ready, however long. All of us surely should consider this. It's death and we must die. You know, it's astonishing. The effort, indeed, we all make to stay healthy, and rightly so. There is nothing wrong with that at all. But there seems to be, in the last few years, maybe in the last decade particularly, and a greater emphasis on healthy living. What we live, what we eat, and so we should, and look after our bodies, so we should. But you see, friends, what is the reason for it? What is ultimately behind it? It's to put off death. It's amazing also, you see how many folk now, you never imagined before, involved in seeking to keep fit. Maybe some of us do more of it. People out running, people out cycling, people going to the gym. Again, friends, there is nothing wrong with that in itself. But what's it all about? What is the reason for it? Is it not sadly that it's as if ignoring the inevitable, the voice of death that will come to us all? 
As I said, there is nothing wrong with staying healthy, and some of us should do more about it. But often it is but ignoring the great fact. It is appointed. The appointment is there for us. The days of my appointed time, says Job, for it will I await. One day, my dear friends, your body and mine will return to the dust from whence it came. We are born, we are born into this world through the womb of our earthly mother. And we will die and laid, as it were, in the womb of the earth that we came from. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. You know, our way James speaks about that. What is your life, he says? A vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Isn't that something of what Job has got here at the beginning of the chapter? The same idea, like a flower cut down, it fleeth also a shadow and continueth not. Isaiah speaks about all flesh as grass. And there's many other verses we have that reminds us that here we have no continuing city. This is not the end, friends. Well, maybe someone here tonight is saying, well, but I'm still young, and I'm sure there are the children here and the young people. I'm still far too young. Or, well, I'm just in middle age. I'm not as young as I used to be, but I'm not that old. Yes, maybe someone says, well, I know I'm getting on in years, but I'm still very healthy. And other people saying, well, and it's true that even in the last uh, 20 or 30, maybe 40 years, people are living longer. That's the reality. We are living longer. But you know what? What is true of everyone who lives longer? They will all die one day. You and I will. And that day is coming. doesn't matter how long we live or how short we are. To be ready for it. We need to be aware of this. Think yourself of some people that you knew. Think yourself some people that maybe you've heard of, you don't know me very well. Some who are so young. Others who were so healthy. Some who had no sign whatsoever of being unwell. And then you hear that they've died. Where are they now? Young and healthy and fit. Even older and healthy and fit. Someone has said that the straightest trees are blown down while others seem so frail and older are still sandy. You see, friends, age is no barrier. Death is coming to us all. Yes, indeed, a life we live, but there's also a death that we must die. But the question is, what death will you die? What death will you die? Oh, that is an appointed time. And it's already set by God. I don't know it, you don't know it. But I know this, 
It's already set by God. And we cannot escape it. We're right there in John, we're reading about Lazarus. And the question of Job here, if a man dies, shall he live again? Is answered in the words of Jesus to Mary. These well-known words that we have and that we read, he that believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. All of us are going to die. Some of us sooner rather than later. Some here before others in this very congregation. But what matters, friend, is not so much how you die as how you live before you die. And that is what's important for us. What do we do now? And how we die will depend on what we do in this life and not do in this life. And some of you here are facing that reality. And I thank God, of course, there are some here who have made that preparation, but some have not. And that is by your own admission and confession that you have not made that preparation. Why not? When you know it's inevitable, when you know it's coming. We need a last, last, of course, that in this extraordinary situation that he was brought back to life, physical life, but he lived by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it is through that faith that he went to be with the Savior. Is that your own hope here tonight? Do you believe that great affirmation of the Lord Jesus Christ? He but that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That there is a resurrection coming. There is a death coming, but just as sure there shall resurrection coming. And you cannot escape that day. We're all going to die sooner rather than later, some before others. But are we ready for it? This is the great question, is it not? Prepared for it. Some of us, as we get older, we feel more the frailty of our bodies. Some of us can be obsessed with these things. The slightest twinge and we run to the doctor. Why? Oh, but I want to stay alive. Of course we do. But as we get older, we feel that little pain and niggle. Little pain that troubles you. That visit to the doctor with some symptom, symptom and you don't like it. And you wonder, I wonder if this is serious. I've heard of others with this pain. I've heard of others who are going through these things. I better get to the doctor and see. Maybe you even think at times, is this unto death? Is this something that's in me, with me, that is going to be the end of me, as it were, in this life? My friend, if it is so, what are you doing about it? Oh, I'm trying to stay healthy. Ah, yes. But what are you ultimately doing about it? Are you ready? Are you ready if this is the end for you? Job asked the question here at the beginning of the verse, not doubting whether he will die, but many different views of the question. But for us then, what if we are? 
is a life friend that you know alone that prepares you for the death that you must die. That death is inevitable for you and for me. Are we ready? Am I prepared for it whenever it comes? Because it is going to come. The life you know live, the death you must die, and thirdly, the change that comes to all are death. Days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. The change of death. What does this speak of? Well, obviously, there is a transformation in a sense that is brought in with death. Death is a change for every one of us, but it's not annihilation. Or maybe you're here tonight, and that's what you would like to think, that that's the end, and you hear it so often with some. That's the end, so nothing else is going to happen. I die, I take my last breath here, and that's it. And people try and get some comfort from that. And they look down and they notice that some of us who try and preach about the gospel and speak about an eternity to come. But very often it is just bravado. Try not to think about these things. And there is a change coming, my friend. There are changes. Our manner of being is going to change, but not uh, our, our, our being absolute, if you like. There is a change coming. There is a death, that great separation where soul and body are torn apart and death plugs them apart. But for the Christian, they are both still in the hands of Christ. You remember the illustration, I'm sure I've said before and heard it from some other former minister, of it's like the sword in the sheath. And at death, that's how it is. Like the soldier takes the sword out of the sheath. But the soldier still is holding the sheath and is holding the sword. And the day will come and they will be brought together again on that resurrection morning. For the Christian, what a hope that is. What a hope. Or sometimes, when death comes and approaches, there's a great fight that goes on. A battle, indeed, at times, between life and death, clinging on to life. That's a natural thing for man. There's a clinging on to life. But you know what, friends? That battle for life, between life and death, death has never lost the battle. Death has never lost that war. And death always wins at the end of the day. And that, dear friends, again is the great question for you and I tonight. That change, that change means for the believer this, if you like, a change of country and company. Here we are in this world and the believer lives in a world of mixed company. A world which has all sorts of things in it. But in that great change, the world of, of, of the Lord there with angels, 
and all the redeemed of God. There, all of a like mind and all with a Christ-like demeanor, worshiping the Savior. That's the great change that comes for some. And today, that I hope is the, the hope that you have. Oh, imagine, friends, when that great day change comes, that change, when we'll be utterly and totally free from sin. Do you long for that some days? Not even the thought of one sin. No more temptation. No more sorrow. No more fear. And so through the gate of death, the Christian is changed and knows he then lives a life that shall never end. Job here is asking the questions because an Old Testament saint, he's seen but through a very dark glass. Dear friends, you and I tonight have a clear picture and a clear answer to our questions. Oh, Job fully understands it now. But tonight, even here in this world, we are without excuse. For Scripture makes clear the great change that comes for the believer and the unbeliever at death. And if that is the glory that awaits the believer, ah, oh, what about the change that comes to you, unbeliever, here tonight when death ushers you out of this world, leaving loved ones behind, but you'll be then changed. And what a change. Dying without faith in Christ, what a fearful thing. What an eternity awaits you when you pass through death Christless, through that gate of death that you cannot Keep shut, and that will open, as it were, of its own accord by God's hand to usher you into eternity. You know, some people, and you might be here tonight, and you've had a hard life. You may well have had many trials and difficulties. You may well, up till now, have not felt even the need to become a Christian. You don't see the need. You may well have managed fine and good on in this life. Maybe just being a little bit religious. But dear friend, I tell you, trembling, that's all going to change in that very moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It is all going to change. When you take your last breath in this world, what a change. No longer Will you think then, well, it'll all work out in the end? Or think, well, I hear people sometimes speaking of, well, this is just hell on earth. And you hear it a bit, particularly with the awful situation in Ukraine with some people. You can understand it, but no one, no one who ever knows anything about Scripture should speak in that way. Because hell is beyond the imagination of anything you can have here on earth. But there, you may be thinking, well, 
It can't be worse than some of the things I've got to endure now. My dear friend, there will you be with like-minded people. And I or no one else can describe the torment and the agony of dying without Christ in a graceless state. You know, we read in that lovely Psalm, Psalm 133, a life that shall never end. And now the Christian loves these words as he looks for that day. But you know, friends, you who die Christless, there's a life there also that never ends. A life in hell, in a lost eternity. Oh, I hope and pray no one here thinks tonight that I am rejoicing in seeing these things. I say it with, I pray, the good of your souls and the desire that you would come to know the Savior for yourselves and not end up in that situation, in that awful eternity. What about yourself then? You who now have no, so much pleasure in sin. You know what? You have so much pleasure in sin tonight. You know that there, even the worst sin will give you no pleasure. There will be no pleasure in eternity, in hell. There'll be hatred of everything around you. Some people say, well, I'll be there with my friends. That makes you shudder. Oh, you fool. Friends is never a word that you'll even think about in that lost eternity. Not for a moment, not have a passing thought of such a thing. So then, dear friend, I ask you, what change will death bring to yourself? You didn't need my message here tonight. I don't believe anyone here needs that message for yourself. You know it already. But I repeat it to you. From the bottom of my heart, desiring that it will speak to you and arrest you anew to bring you to seek the Lord. That's the great question. What change is death going to bring for me? Well, then, in conclusion, no, there's a sting in death, of course. But for some, the sting has been removed by Christ for his people. And faith and repentance is what is required to be in your experience. To die in Christ and die peacefully. You know, some people speak about, and you understand in a measure, but... Oh, let's be careful, friends. Oh, well, I saw her and she died there so peacefully. Yes, he was there and he seemed to be so peaceful at the end. Well, friends, none of us know how God deals with someone at the last minute. But friends, let's not delude ourselves. Let us ask ourselves about these matters. Let us make sure we are ready for death. And how can that be to be trusting in Christ before death comes? There is no other way. This is when it's needed. And then you will have peace when the change comes. 
And it doesn't matter when the change comes. And it doesn't matter how you die or when you die. If you're in Christ, you need not fear. Yes, some Christians go through great difficulties in this life, even on their deathbed at times. Some Christians like Job, although I'm sure none of us know the depth of suffering that he had. But sometimes it is, as Matthew Henry put it elsewhere, though God sometimes hides himself, at such times, he never absents himself from his people. He never absents himself from his people. You know, later, of course, we read of Job, how he came through times of great distress and torment, saying later on, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope tonight? Well, you can only have it. Indeed, I should say, you should only have it. Should only have it. If you already got faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, friends. Maybe you're saying, well, I have that hope. Well, wait a minute then. May I ask you again? What is that hope based on? And if it's on anything other than the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, your hope is in vain. Not in your good works, not in your faithful Christian parents, not in friends, not in any minister or church or denomination, but in Christ. That's the only way that you can look to that change that death will usher in for you. D.L. Moody wrote to someone and said, oh, one morning you'll read in the newspaper, Moody has died. He said, ah, don't you believe it? I shall be more alive that morning than ever before. A man trusting in Christ, knowing that change will come. But what a change. What then will it mean for yourself? Oh, that none of us here tonight. Remember King Saul. What does he say? I have played the fool. But what about the Apostle Paul? I have kept the faith. And there is the great difference. It's one or the other. Job was looking with hope for the future. Did you have that hope this evening? Well, again, I said, you make sure it is based on the scriptural basis of the finished work of Christ, not on foolish, vain delusion that so many seem to have. My dear friend, while I love to see you here tonight, that is not enough. Would, you, would I want you to be anywhere else? Absolutely not. Under the preaching of the gospel, from Sabbath to Sabbath. But that is not enough. So when death comes, the great change comes from time into eternity. What do you expect? I know what you hope. 
But what do you truthfully and honestly expect that change to bring about in your own experience? Let us pray. O Lord God, thy people are those who have been changed and transformed and brought to newness of life. And they are those also now who can look beyond death and know that can say with another, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? May that be true of us all tonight and any amongst us who are still strangers to thy grace, who will inevitably pass through death, or that it would not be trusting in themselves or in their religion or in anything other and the finished work of Christ the Saviour in their room and stead. Do thy work by thy spirit tonight. Quicken souls, awaken the dead, revive the sleeping and slumbering, and take the glory to thyself. For Christ's sake. Amen.